Hello and welcome. This is the Yoga Revolution podcast. My name is Jeevana Heyman. My pronouns are he and him. This podcast is an exploration of how we can live yoga right now and how we can apply the yoga teachings in our lives. We'll discuss the intersection of yoga and social justice, as well as how to build a practice that supports our activism. All my guests are contributors to my new book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. Thanks so much for joining me. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for coming back and joining me for our next episode. I'm so excited today. I have Jackie Sunny Barbie here uh, to talk about her contribution to the book. Hey, Sunny. Hey, how are you? I'm good. Thanks. I think I'm good. I don't know. Um, thanks so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for inviting me and inviting me on the podcast and to be in the book. It's it's such an incredible honor. Oh, that's so sweet. Well, I'm lucky to have you. I wanted to start by introducing you formally, though. So I'm going to I'm going to read some of your bio because it's really sweet. So um, Jackie Sunny Barbie is an ERY 200 hour yoga teacher living in the panhandle of Florida, Florida, where everything happens. Um, Sunny finished YTT in 2016 after turning to an asana practice to help with her chronic illness and depression. While in YTT, she realized there was a need for more teachers that didn't fit the stereotypical yoga body image like her, and she would make it, and she could make a difference in helping people see that yoga is for everybody. She's able to share with others how to customize their practice to fit their own body, whether that body is larger, aging, or living with illness or injury, much like she does with her with her practice. <clears throat> Creating safe spaces where the student can connect and make peace with their bodies is what Sunny loves most about teaching yoga. She's also certified in accessible yoga, yoga for all bodies, mind-body solutions, and yin yoga. Thank you so much, Sunny. It's so great to be able to interview you. I'm so excited about this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So what I was wondering is if you would be willing to read your contribution to the book. Uh, let's see. Do you have it there? I do. I do. I sure can. Through my practice of Shvadhyaya self-study, I'm able to connect my yoga practice and social justice work to propel inner and social change. Justice and equity work are deep, and it's impossible to make lasting changes without becoming aware of my own internalized biases and privileges as a white person. I lean into the ugly truth and injustices working for change rather than spiritually bypassing. I also try to create space in my yoga classes for students to be their most authentic self, where they can safely move through their own personal life changes and traumas with their practice. As a plus-size practitioner living with chronic illness, I'm able to show that yoga truly is for everyone and that asana can be made accessible, um, accessible by exploring different variations of each pose. My classes are a place where people of all sizes, ages, abilities, race, and gender identity can feel safe and form a deeper, more loving relationship with their own bodies. Together, we celebrate what our bodies can do. Yay. That's awesome. I love that. I love what you wrote. Thank you. Yeah. And I just, 
You know, I really wanted you to be part of the book because I just feel like you say so clearly what I try to teach. You know, you're so clear about not only your experience, but <clears throat> what you're trying to offer your students and, and you're doing it, you know, you're actively teaching and that's amazing. I know you teach really diverse students. Yes, right? thank you. It was such a gift for me to find um, accessible yoga after I had finished Y2T um, just because I knew in my heart that that's what I wanted to do, but I didn't really know how I would be able to execute it and how it was going to, how I was going to make it happen in, in a yoga class because I just wasn't seeing it myself firsthand. And so to be able to participate in the accessible yoga training, it was, it was just such a valuable um, training for me. The lessons that I learned in all those days was just, it was so good for me to be able to figure out how I can make this uh, and reach everyone in the classroom, teach to everyone in the room, no matter what was going on. And yeah. um, it was just such a gift. It was, mm. it, it's been such a gift for everyone that I've touched, I feel like also. <clears throat> wow, that's so sweet, thank you. <laughs> well, I just, I'm so grateful for that, you know, for the way you've like really embodied these teachings and how you um, live this, how you live accessible yoga, it's really beautiful. Um, I So your contribution I put in the book in the section on um, embodying the eight limbs of yoga and I, because I feel like that some of the things you said just spoke to me so much. And part of what I talk about in this chapter is um, personalizing systemic problems. And what I mean by that is that, like, you know, <clears throat> to me, there's a tension in the yoga teachings between our personal practice and then the way we act in the world. You know what I mean? Like, it's um, so if we have if we if we have a marginalized identity and we're struggling in some way, how do we deal with that internally, but also how do we act in the world to help address that? How do we speak out against injustice? So I feel like there's that tension there in the teachings. And uh, I feel like you talk about that in your quote, very like right away, you talk about self-study, which I think is really the key to that, to what I'm mentioning. Yes, and with my experiences too. So that was another thing that I really got out of the accessible yoga training was really applying the eight limbs of yoga into my teaching and into my practice even deeper than I had before. When I was in um, YTT, in my 200-hour YTT, I was left out of um, some of the training of the asanas um, because of my body or my illnesses, you know, like inversions and arm balances. And mm. no one really tried to show me how to make them accessible to my own body. They were basically just, you can just sit here and watch. And then mm. they would try to be, you know, maybe a little patronizing and say, you know, well, even just sitting on your mat is yoga. It doesn't have to be asana, which, while that's true, um, you know, while they mm. were doing this, while they were teaching the rest of the group, while this was true, um, I you know, I knew that there was more. And through this self-study, I understood that what they were maybe trying to communicate, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, is <laughs> that it wasn't just sitting on your mat is also yoga, which it, which it is, but it was also about um, beyond practicing the asana and, and bringing in the eight limbs of yoga into my practice, into my teaching, um, particularly um, the eight limbs of yoga, particularly the yamas, 
um, which was just really a good way to express how I can be making an impact into the world um, mm -hmm. that is beyond just poses. And, and that was just such a, a, a revelation for me to understand that yoga was just so much beyond what shape my body was in. Mm -hmm. And what, what, how does that work? Like, how does self-study work for you? Uh, could you say more about that? Like, do you feel like what well, you mentioned in here talking about um, your internalized biases and privileges as a white, as a white person, leaning into ugly truths and injustices, working for change. What do you have other thoughts about that? Yeah. So, you know, I had always um, thought that I was raised in a very um, open-minded, very accepting household and had these um, just ideas. My parents and everybody was welcome in our door. All of these things were going on. Um, never really felt like I was carrying these biases or, or things um, until, you know, I got out of that bubble. And then I realized that um, there was a lot more outside influences that maybe I wasn't as um, conscious of in the front of my mind of, of just how I reacted to situations, to people, um, opinions that, that might've been passed on to me that I didn't really carry hmm. consciously until you start really doing that deep self-study. And I'm still like, it's still constantly every day. You know, I always wanted to say that mm -hmm. I was a safe person. And even now reading this quote, I sometimes think like that was really um, not good of me to say that either, because even though we might think that we're a safe person, I'm still going to make mistakes that is not going to be safe for everybody. And just learning all of these things and, and accepting that and then doing what I need to do to change that, take responsibility for it and, um, and just redirect myself and make sure that I, that I am making the efforts to create um, the safest spaces that I'm able to in that moment. I think that's maybe where I'm at right now. And, and how does your yoga do that? Can, like, is there something in your practice that helps you? Like, is there some, like, how does yoga support that self-awareness? I guess I'm wondering. Well, I think so much of just in, um, just embodying the practice, being there, realizing um, what's going on around me, getting more into myself, even just, mm -hmm. Um, yoga became such a sanctuary for me where I would get on my mat and would start to just, I had just really in the past had really cut off myself, cut off myself from my body, from some of my experiences and coming into yoga or coming into the practice really made me just start to make peace with all of those things, all of the parts of me from the past, the things that I could control, the things that I couldn't control, the things that were coming on, the things in my body, and really just not pushing them aside. But when these thoughts come up and I realize these things, you know, it's time to meditate on this or journal on this or start searching out the other voices that are speaking about these mm. things and and that we're just constantly having to be open to everything that's going on around us. Yeah, that's really very powerful, actually. I wonder, so the other thing that I try to address in this chapter is the question of suffering and how do we respond to suffering? Because one of the 
main themes in the yoga teachings is that yoga can reduce our suffering. Um, but I feel like we generally talk about that only in this kind of self-centered way. But what I heard that you just what I heard you just say is kind of making a connection between understanding your own personal suffering and mm-hmm. then reflecting on how maybe that how you how that changes your vision of the world actually like how being how did you say it like yoga allowed you to explore that to look at like things you've hidden from yourself and it sounds like you make that that influence the way you see the world is that fair to say yes so you know i i had to work really hard at becoming more focused on the present moment um i had to resist the attachment to the things that were going on in the past Um, the feelings, the experiences, and then also keep myself from becoming too absorbed um, with what was happening in the future. Mm -hmm. And, and that this was how I had to learn for myself, how to overcome some of my suffering, Mm -hmm. which included the, the physical pain and the emotional pain and, and fears. I mean, I, I just was so stuck in a place of this is how it used to be. This is mm. what happened to me or what's going to happen in the future. What's there for me. And yoga really helped me to learn to come into the present moment and, and release those attachments of what else was going on behind me and in front of me. Mm. And that's, that's amazing. That's... <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Go on. Yeah. No, that, was, that was just, that was yeah. just the yeah. first step for me. And it was a big step, but it's, it was a step for me in, in reducing my own suffering. And now I can look at other people and understand that they're the same place I probably was before and mm. still dealing with the, you know, I always, I always try to tell my students, you know, let's not compare ourselves how we were before, how we were 10 years ago. Our bodies might have been able to do this, um, but let's just celebrate where we are right now. And even, and like, I I just taught a class this morning and I just reminded everyone, like, you may have come in with a cane, you may have come in with a backache, but we're still really excited that our bodies brought us to this practice today. And we're going to just celebrate that right now. And I I just always think it's just a good place to, to just be, try to be in that moment. It's hard, but I, I work at it. (laughs) I mean, you said something really important too for me, which is you, you basically defined non-attachment, which is one of the, the key concepts in yoga, like in, and something I try to address in the book too, um, vairagya, or sometimes we talk about other words, I mean, non-attachment, vairagya is the main one that's presented in the Yoga Sutras. And when Patanjali talks in the first book, he talks about what the, re, the way out of the suffering, the way to towards enlightenment is through practice and non-attachment. And you described how <clears throat> being in the present help to pull your mind back from like kind of reliving your past pain and trauma and also pull it from the future where it was kind of stuck in the worry and the fear. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and, and I just think that's such a, it's a great example of non-attachment because I often don't think about non-attachment as simply present moment awareness, but in a way that's what it is. It's releasing the mind from moving in, moving in time from going back or forth, like into the past or the future where you may have like depression or anxiety, like depression generally arises from the past, anxiety from the future. And you, you, you just said it so beautifully, like that, that's the, (laughs) that's what yoga can give us, right? It's like this present moment awareness. 
Is that fair? The way I'm describing it? Yes. Mm. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and all of that is, is in the sutras for us too, you know, with the eight limbs that, you know, that we can avoid some of the suffering because of, you know, by doing, following these eight limbs, it's a really nice guide for us to try to pull ourselves out of that suffering and letting go of attachment was, um, such a huge step, I think, in my own personal development, um, understanding that, you know, it was okay to be um, reminiscent and and enjoying the things that maybe we had gone through in the past, but not being attached to that feeling and emotion that was with it. Um, that was a big challenge. And, mm. and then understanding that as we go through this, um, and we go through these things within ourselves of, of letting go of some of these things and making these changes within ourselves, then we can, we, we can use this as a guidebook into changing some of the systems that are causing suffering, um, mm -hmm. racism, homophobia, sexism, fat phobia, all of these things too. Right. Like you said in your quote that you read earlier, you said, I, I lean into the ugly truths and injustices working for change rather than spiritually bypassing. So would you say to you that, that that's what the spirit, that's how you avoid spiritual bypassing is by avoiding Absolutely. being attached. I mean, is that okay. Or how else could you say more think. about spiritual? Okay. Yes. For me, I, I mean, I think that spiritual bypassing is just, I think we're all just taught this way, you know, be positive, smile mm. more, um, don't, don't get stuck into the sadness and depression. And, you know, quite honestly, like sometimes it's just going to happen. Um, we are going to get stuck into it for a little bit. We don't have to live there. Um, but we need to address and think and talk about and process. I think process is the huge part. Like, why am I so emotionally, um, attached to this particular event? Um, what can I do? What's in my control and what can I just let go? It's not serving me. It's mm. let it go. And then, and then bringing in more of the eight limbs of um, how much of my energy do I want to keep putting, putting towards that um, with, with brahmacharya, like how much of my energy is, mm. is there to spare to spend on this or would I rather spend it on something else? If that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I loved how you brought in brahmacharya. So with spiritual bypassing, it feels like there's, pain and suffering that we want to avoid and that it feels like sometimes we misunderstand the yoga teachings and, and we think that it's about avoiding pain but it uh -uh. seems like that's not right it's not about avoiding and I, I wonder if you could talk about that like how do you deal with pain like I, you mentioned you have chronic illness like I wonder if there's pain involved for you like in your life and how I mean we all have some pain right but I just wonder if you could how, how has yoga helped you handle your pain um, so I just think that, that, you know, at least for myself, I can speak is that my pain is very multidimensional. I've got the chronic pain at the physical level. Um, mm. I've got, you know, I do because of the chronic pain probably, and, and also past experiences. I'm, I also deal with the emotional and like with the depression and anxiety also that comes in and how it just shows up in my body, um, every day from the moment I wake up to when I'm you know, going to bed and that my nervous system is, um, affecting my body in all of these ways with tension, um, my breathing, my energy level and how much all of these things are. And so 
I have found for myself that by avoiding that pain, whether it's physical or emotional, it, it just, it wasn't moving forward. Um, you can't avoid it. You, you can't um, ignore it all away. Like you have to just process, process it is such the word that just keeps coming through my mind is hmm. um, whether it's through journaling and meditation or, or getting, you know, outside help. The physical part of yoga, the asana part of yoga has always helped with some of the physical pain, um, keeping my joints moving and those things. And then that helps me mentally and helped gave me more strength um, to move through some of these other parts. Pranayama, um, with my chronic illness um, when I was younger, people would always think that I was um, being disrespectful, that I would always do this like heavy breath, like, <sighs> you know, all the time. And I wasn't even conscious of it or aware of it. I hmm. realized later that this was how I was coping with the constant pain in my body. But it was it was really offensive to people, and I didn't even know I was doing it. And so by bringing in pranayama into my practice in my life, um, that helps me with the with the daily pain and the physical parts of it. And and I'm not making everybody around me mad at me anymore because they're yeah. thinking I'm being rude to them. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're not being rude, I don't think, but I see it seems like you're using it to release that stress. Yeah, I had no idea. I was so cut off from mm -hmm. my, um, I was cut off from my own body, cut off, you know, just really bypassing the mental uh, state that I was in at the time and, and didn't even know that my body was just trying to process these things and mm -hmm. I was trying to bypass it. And so by digging into it and going, okay, if this is what's happening in my body, this is what's happening to me mentally and emotionally. Like I need to, you know, address, address whatever I, whatever I can and, and get the help wherever I need help and do the things that I can do to help relieve all of that. And, um, just really dig into it, like really lean into it. And, um, but, there's no way around like, the pain. You've got to go through it. Right. But it's like, it's so, it takes so much bravery to do that like it's so it's do you like was there like a moment that you could oh, yeah. describe yeah. that that happened for you yeah. yeah I can I can I can like tell my anxiety had gotten so bad that I I honestly didn't even want to leave my house I didn't want to I I would just honestly I would curl up in a ball in the bathroom and I didn't want to leave and then if my husband got me out of the house I didn't want to come back home which was so strange I didn't understand that Physically, I was hmm. I was in bed. I wasn't moving. If I was working, all I could think about was that I could come home and get to bed. And I just I wasn't living anymore. And I was I was too young for that. And I knew that all of the other things that I was doing hmm. wasn't working. And so I was going to have to do something else. And that's what brought me to my practice. I had tried yoga a few times before that. But it was just because I was going with a friend or doing this. But this time, my intention was I'm going to address this pain, my my suffering physically and emotionally. I'm going to get on my mat and I'm going to mm. see what this can do. And that's really, like I said before, when yoga really became my sanctuary where I could get on my mat. My mat was was my safe place and I could start feeling um, everything, the good and the bad. 
and started to be more good and started Mm. to feel more peaceful and started to be okay and started to just get a lot more peace with my body and and what was happening and then peace then that peace with my body became more peace with my past my history where I came from and you said there was a moment so is that you're just remembering back to those days I'm remembering basically being curled up on the bathroom floor and saying I I can't do this anymore I can't I can't live like this it wasn't fair to myself it wasn't fair to my family and you know I was only, I was in my forties and I was curled up on a ball on the floor. Mm -hmm. And that was when, you know, I, something had to change. Something had to be different. I couldn't keep going around it. I couldn't keep going around it. I had to, I had to get right into it. And how did you know yoga would help? Like, was there something like, did you have a positive experience in class or like, I don't even know if there was something specific there, like I said, I had tried yoga before with, you know, different teachers that wasn't even in a yoga studio. We didn't even have a yoga studio in, in town here at the time. Um, maybe watching some videos had, had heard other people say the same thing. And at that point, like, I felt like this was, I don't know, maybe it was divine intervention. <laughs> maybe my, my old soul was talking to me and telling me this is, this is what mm. I needed. I don't know. I just knew that I couldn't do this anymore. And for some reason, yoga was the first thing that came to mind that this is what I had to try. I didn't even know what to do at that point because I think there wasn't a studio yet. There was one getting ready to open. And I think I had to go to a gym. And that was a whole terrible experience too, just going to the yoga classes at the gym. <laughs> that was yeah. terrible. But I remember yeah. going to the classes and I think it was, uh, I don't know if it was my first or second class at the gym in that, in that atmosphere and laying on my mat and just having the emotional release that I had been pushing back and hiding and avoiding for so long. And mm. that was the, okay, where, that was the confirmation that I was on the right path, that I was doing, I was where I was supposed to be. And I needed to dig into this more. Then that studio opened and I think I was there every day. And, um, and then the rest is history, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's, it's just a really powerful story, I think, because I mean, it's just, it's amazing that you had a sense that yoga could support you. I think that was so interesting, you know, and, and, um, it does feel like you, found your way like you found your path so i think it's really helpful for me and probably for other people to hear your about your journey yeah i think i think yoga opened up the door to acceptance which i think was first in processing all of this accepting where i was accepting um what was happening and then finding the peace then the heat then the love love for my body love for myself love for my experiences and then that all started to lead to so much healing. I'm just wondering if, you know, if it's an ongoing process and if you have, if you still struggle, you know. Um, I don't, I don't feel like I, oh, I know what I was, I, I don't feel like I'm struggling so much as it is definitely an ongoing process. Um, I, 
was what I was brought up is that we always had this image of how we were supposed to be. This was our family. And even though maybe something wasn't going right, we still had to just put out a good face out there. And though I'm not saying we should be dwelling in the negativity either. Um, but one thing that I definitely learned through all of this process is to be grateful for all the things, the bad things, the good things, all the things that are happening. And um, I'm grateful that I have the tools now to keep moving through and um, growing from the circumstances that come up. Um, yeah. It's always going to be, it's always going to be a journey. Um, and, and for one that I'm grateful for now. <laughs> well, I can just say that, you know, my experience of you has just been that you really do embody the teachings. You, I mean, I know a lot of people in yoga and I always feel like you're very genuine and you reach out to me often um, to check in on me, which is so sweet. I mean, really very few people do that. You know, it's like I tend to be the teacher all the time and I'm always usually the one reaching out. And it's just so sweet that you're always checking in just to see how I'm feeling and what's going on with me. And it's just, it shows to me like a certain level of, I don't know, just generosity so and compassion and, 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 big heartedness, you know, that I feel from you. Um, anyway, and, so, so really, and so for me, thank you for saying yeah. that. I, so for me, it is um, being yoga has brought this whole authenticity to myself. My husband has said many times over the last few years, he's like, I just love the person that you are now. Like you are just so different from before. I feel like yoga has helped me be more centered and more grounded to myself. And that yoga is um, also brought me more connections in the community. And I've, and I, and it just helps me to be really connected to the people around me. And I, I actually, so I do check on you, but I also, I just make myself once a week, I just go through and I'll send out random texts to people and just be like, I hope you're having a good day. How's everything going? And it's funny because some people respond like, why are you texting me? <laughs> but I really do. I just want to reach out to everybody and just know that they're not alone. We're all in this together. And, and I do care about them. I go through my phone, I pick out names and I check on everybody. <laughs> mm, that's so sweet. It's a great practice. And I know you kind of talked about it in general already, but I wonder, like, can you, could you identify which, what practice has helped you the most? Like you you said, oh, your husband says he really has seen a change in you and he loves that. It's like some true part of you has come out. But I just wonder if there's like, I don't know, has there been a particular practice that has been most effective? Like, do you like pranayama? Do you like a certain pose? I don't know. Is there something... <laughs> I mean, first of all, I guess you could probably say maybe it's just the asana practice of the of the chair chair yoga and the chair practice, because I feel like when I'm when I'm leading these classes or practicing with people when we're in the chair, for some reason it feels like community is so much stronger, and we're really coming together, and um, I feel yeah. like that's in a way where I get to be the most authentic, the most vulnerable. Mm. and the most confident at the same time. And that's been a really interesting sensation to feel so vulnerable and confident all at once because it's usually one extreme or the other. And I just have found like that has just really been a nice place for me. I really think that 
community is such a huge part of the practice and a huge part of of the sutras of the eight limbs you know being honest with everyone mm. um sharing our truth um watching where our energy is going and all of these things just all comes together with this with this community and yeah. i just feel like we're all better together than singly and and maybe i'm harping on this but you know going back to spiritual bypassing i just wonder you're such a positive like sunny person that's your name right sunny like how do you how do you avoid spiritual bypassing yourself like how do you stay so positive but without doing that do you know what i mean is there some technique you have or are you just trying to really want is it the self-study we talked about before like i'm wondering it's, what what is it it's definitely the self-study it, to me it's definitely um it's it's um, truthfulness. It's being truthful about everything. I can still be mm. really upset that that guy cut me off in traffic and, you right. know, I'll probably have all that, but, but really in the big picture, is that really, it really not truthfulness and non-attachment. I'll keep adding things on. <laughs> okay. Um, well, and actually I know about your activism a little bit and I wonder if that that's maybe the answer, because I feel like you, you know, I think one of the, the misunderstandings that there exists in yoga is that like you said we need to be positive and like accept everything the way it is rather than speak out against injustice and speak out when other people are suffering and i think that's where i feel like there's kind of a attention in, yes. in contemporary practice and that's what i'm trying to address in this book really primarily um and i know you do that i know you speak out against about a lot of issues um so is that part of it that you're optimistic and positive, but you're also, it's okay to be angry or something like, is there? Yes, yeah. And, and I'm just, I just really like, I just call it being real, you know, like this is what's <laughs> happening and we have to address it because if we're, if we even think for a second that we're going to change these systems that are adding to the suffering of the, of our communities, not just our own suffering, but the, the suffering to the communities around us. I mean, it's really essential that we're, addressing that we're addressing everything head on and and being very honest about it and we have to call it out um we have to mm. yeah you know we have to be honest about what's really happening um in order to change it in order to make these changes and to relieve the suffering of of the people around us um yeah it's the only way we're going to change these systems yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and I know that you're doing that in many ways. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? What is like, do you see yourself as an activist? Do you see, so it's, yeah. it's kind of, that's an interesting question because I probably don't really see myself as an activist, even though I, you know, I probably do the work of an activist, if that makes sense. Um, I think that my, my parents just raised me to be, mm a bit of an activist to begin with. So that's kind of how I always have been. You know, I was the one in high school marching up to the principal's office and demanding him, you know, to speak to me about this, uh, something that was going on in a classroom that, that wasn't right or changing that lines of clubs and schools like that because, you know, it was being sexist and, <laughs> and, and making those changes. Um, I just feel like that's one place that I really follow my heart. Um, my, my 
my child. My youngest child is a part of the LGBTQ community. So I get to work. Um, I'm very excited that I, that I get to work with the local PFLAG in different areas of that. Um, I love working with the older community, the people, um, people with different um, disabilities that we're able to work with. And just, I mean, I feel like that's like home for me. Um, it's not a, it's not an area where I feel like I just am able to do it. So I should do it. Does that make sense? Like I'm able to do it. So I should be there and take that privilege that I have and use it yeah. in the best way to serve. And it feels like it's just a natural process for you that you're not having to like plot and plan. It's just like you're, you're a compassionate person. So you speak out. Yes. Um, is that right? Like you see suffering and you so. do something. Right. That's and that's, that, yeah, that that's feels, it. and that feels to me like a direct outcome of yoga practice, which is that, you know, I don't know, try to bring it together in my mind. It's like, if we're suffering and in denial about our suffering, then we basically also avoid looking at other people's suffering. Like we can't see Thank that, you. but, but when we, yes. yeah. So I was going to say when we feel our own and accept it on some level, like it's an ongoing process, I realize. But I think it makes us more sensitive to other people's suffering and be and makes us more compassionate. Um, I, that's exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you for wording it so well. <laughs> um, that's exactly it. I think that when we look at ourselves and face that, then we're able to, I think compassion, and you know, is such a huge part of of our of our work um, and our service to the people around us. Um, so, so if people know me and they if they follow me on social media, you see that my name is Sunny B Yoga, and the B E E is is just a play off my last name, but it's also because of the bumblebees. And I always like to share this: is that when the bees are in the hive, each bee has a job, and it's not that one job is better than the other, but all the bees, everything that they do in the hive, is for the benefit the well-being of the community, of the entire hive. And so every one of them does all of that. And I and I I love that so much, is why I just I love bees so much, is that everything they do is for the betterment of the community. And mm -hmm. I really love that example. So That's I want to be a bee. <laughs> well, you know, I think you just summarized my entire book actually. <laughs> because I I I mean the even the subtitle of the book is like building a practice of courage and compassion. And I think that's the point. It's like courage to look, courage to embrace ourselves, you know, as we are, and also compassion for others, because once we see that, then we can serve in a more sensitive and compassionate way, you know? And I mm -hmm. feel like I see that in you so clearly that you, it's like you, and you share that, I think pretty openly, um, at least through what I see when you're teaching, when you're on social media, I feel like you're sharing your struggles and, your kind of i don't know your heart it's like how do you how do you make your heart so open and i think the way is the way you do it is you're open to yourself and then that also allows other people to come in you know it kind of happens together i think for me that is part of my goal in creating the safe spaces is that if i'm showing my authentic self then other people might feel like they can do the same when they're around me at least and, and share those parts of themselves. And um, I think there's been situations in my life where maybe I held everything very close inside, might've felt a little um, maybe guilty or ashamed or embarrassed, 
by what I was going through, but finding that when I can share openly, there's mm. so many people who will come to you and say, I needed to hear you say that because I'm yeah. in the same situation or I can really relate to what you said. And it just gives people permission to just be kinder mm -hmm. to themselves yeah, and, and not be so hard on themselves. Like they're not alone. Yeah. Amazing. That's <laughs> been really amazing. Okay. Anything else you want to share with us? And do you want to tell us anything you have coming up? Way people can, how can people find you? Um, you can find me on um, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram with Sunny B Yoga. I've got all of that. I'm mostly teaching on um, mostly teaching online right now. I offer a I call it Friday Happy Hour. It's a chair class on Zoom. Um, I really just do it by donation. If if it's not accessible to you to pay for it, just join us anyway. I really love serving the community this way. Hmm. Um, I'll be. Let me think. I'm I'm heading out to the Mammoth Yoga Festival at the end of the month with Diane Bondi and excited to be there and get to be around some of our other cohorts there. Mm. And um, yeah, that's, that's about it right now. <laughs> okay, and we'll link to that um, to your website um, in the show notes. Oh, thank so you. Find you there. Anyway, thanks so much, Sunny. It's just been a pleasure talking to you, and I really, I really appreciate your time and and all of your service. It's just so beautiful. Thank you. I, I th can't thank you enough for being um, a teacher to me over the last few years, and uh, I just, I'm so grateful that I found mm. you and accessible yoga and what uh, an influence has had on my life and my teaching, and I'm so mm. grateful for that. Oh, well, thank you. All right. Well, take care. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thanks so much for listening and joining the conversation. Yoga is truly a revolutionary practice. Thanks for being here. If you haven't already, I would love for you to read my book, Yoga Revolution, Building a Practice of Courage and Compassion. It's available wherever books are sold. Also, you can check out my website, jivanaheyman.com. There's some free classes on there and a meditation, and you can find out more about my upcoming trainings and other programs. Hope to see you next time. Thanks. Bye.